Jesus is the master storyteller, I was doing my best to try to, to count up all of the individual unique parables that Jesus taught in the Gospels. If you go to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you can find a bunch of them, but some of the parables overlap, like the one we're going to read now. You can find it in Matthew 13, you can find it in Mark chapter 4, and you can find it in Luke chapter 8. So the Synoptic Gospels have some of the parables that overlap. There are approximately 37, according to my count, unique parables that Jesus taught. One of the greatest things about the parable we're going to talk about today is that many of the parables Jesus taught, he told the story and then he just left it to the listener. And he says to the listener, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Very few of the parables does Jesus actually explain and say, this is what I mean by telling you this parable. We're in luck today or we're blessed because Jesus is going to tell the parable today. So before we get started, let's have a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the time that we have to gather together in your name. You say where two or three are gathered, you are here among us. Your spirit is with us. And Lord, we count on your spirit to be our teacher and our guide and the one who speaks all truth into our hearts. Father, we pray for the ability to, to uh, get rid of all the things that distract us and to be able to lock in and focus on what you have for us today. So Lord, help us to be good listeners Help us to be good appliers of what you are saying to us through your word today. We love you, Lord, and we pray you'll do your work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hey, I want to, uh, before we get started with Jesus' story, Jesus being a master storyteller, I want to tell you about a uh, product that's out there. Many of you know of it. It's called miracle Grow. Anybody ever seen this at the Home Depot or the Lowe's or the Ace Hardware? miracle Grow. It's a wonderful plant food. It was developed first in 1950. Uh, a man became a multimillionaire because of miracle Grow. His name was Horace Hagedon, and he was approached by a farmer named Otto Stern in upstate New York in 1950. And Otto said to Horace, hey, I want you to market this product. I've got this fertilizer, this, you know, all-purpose fertilizer to help plants grow, and I want you to help me market it. And so they developed this product. Uh, they each invested $2,000 into advertising. And the first week in the New York papers, they had $22,000 of orders for miracle Grow. So the business took off in 1995. miracle Grow combined with Scott's, which is a big company, uh, probably a chemical fertilizing type company. And uh, Scott's took over miracle Grow, And today, miracle Grow has about $2.5 billion in annual sales. So if you ever use that stuff, I want to go. I, I'm excited. Once I started reading about miracle Grow, I said, I'm going to get some of that stuff. And in the spring, our plants are going to start growing like they've never grown before. Anyway, God loves things that grow. God loves growing things. And you know what the thing that God loves to grow most of all? It's not just plants, it's people. God loves to grow you and me. And God wants us to grow. He wants us to grow into the best version of ourselves. Where he says, you know, the more that I look at you, the more I can see my son Jesus in you. The more we grow to be like Christ, the more we are growing spiritually. And God loves it when we grow. He says we are God's masterpiece. 
that God created us in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he's prepared us for these good works. He's prepared for us to grow. And Jesus says this in John's gospel, chapter 15. He says, this is to my Father's glory. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So whenever we grow, healthy things that grow, they grow, they're healthy, and they reproduce. And God wants us to bear much fruit. And when we do that, he says we're going to show or prove ourselves that we are Jesus' disciples. All right, so let's get into the first story that Jesus told. In fact, in, when you go to Matthew's gospel in chapter 13, there is an entire teaching that is nothing but the parables of Jesus for an entire chapter. And the first chapter begins with probably one of the more famous parables at all. It's called the parable of the sower. Remember what a parable is. A parable is where Jesus tells an earthly story but it has a spiritual application. It has a, a meaning for us in the kingdom of God. So whenever you hear this story, if he's talking about farmers and sowing and seeds that land on different soil, he's using that as a metaphor. A metaphor is something that is in place of something else. A parable uh, to give us this earthly story that has a spiritual kingdom of God meaning for our lives. So I want to give you one other key to this story before we jump in. Matthew 13, you're going to hear about a sower, somebody who, and I don't mean somebody who sows needle and thread. I mean somebody who plants. A sower is a farmer, is a planter. So the sower is either Jesus himself, or it's an evangelist, or it's somebody who's sharing the message of God with somebody else. So the sower is Jesus or an evangelist or someone who shares the good news. The seed... In this parable, the seed is the message of Christ itself. It is the gospel. It is the word of Christ. And then the soil, so, so, so we have the sower, the one who's planting. You have the seed, which is what they're planting and scattering. And then you have four different versions of soil or what that seed lands on. So uh, I'll just, you know, what do you call it? Tell, tell the end of the story. Give the spoiler right off the bat. You are the soil, right? Jesus is the sower. The seed is the word of Christ or the gospel message. And the soil is you and me. And Jesus is going to talk about four different kinds of soils. And what I'd like you to do is, as we're going through this is to try to think where I am right now in my life, which of these soils best describes me? Because the soil the soil, the condition of the soil, which is you and your life, that's going to determine whether the seed takes root or not, whether the seed, the gospel message comes in and has any effect at all in your life. So you see this graphic here. I, I was going to tell you the, the one about the pigeons. You see the pigeons in the park, right? You see that hard surface. You see, if somebody took some seed and say, I'm going to try to plant this seed and get it to grow, what chance do you think that seed would grow right there on the sidewalk or right there on the asphalt? Slim and none, right? Uh, and then the pigeons come and the birds come and snatch it all away. So Jesus is describing the first of the soil when we get to this parable. So let's jump right in. In verse number three of Matthew 13, Jesus says this, Then he, Jesus, told them, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some of it fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. 
Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the parable in the top part, and then the bottom verse on the screen, that's going to be Jesus' explanation. Because after Jesus told the parable, his own followers came up to him and says, Lord, what do you mean? What does this story mean? And Jesus says, well, I'm telling you a story to give you an illustration of what the kingdom of God is like. And then Jesus goes ahead and explains the meaning of the parable afterwards. So you see the different verses. You have verses 3, and then you have verse 19. When you see the bottom half there, that's going to be Jesus' explanation for what he meant by that. So the farmer goes out to sow his seed. As he's scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. And then Jesus explains it, and he says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and he doesn't understand it, the evil one, the enemy of our souls, he's called Satan, the devil, uh, he comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed that is sown along the path. So you have the seed being the word of God. You have that, that illustration that I showed you, that picture in the park where there's pigeons. The word of God cannot penetrate. Uh, the seed is flung onto the path where it is heard. So somebody may actually hear the message of the gospel, but it doesn't have any effect on their life because it doesn't penetrate. And the reason is uh, because the, the birds come and steal it away. The problem with this soil is this soil is hardened. This soil is hardened, right? The seed cannot penetrate. The gospel message cannot penetrate. And I, and I have to stop and, and ask a personal question. What about you? You know, where are you today? Are you giving God's word? And here's the, here's the key question. Are you giving God's word a soft place to land? Are you giving God's word a soft place to land? Because the key is, we cannot stop listening to God. A lot of times we'll be sitting in church or you're sitting in your car listening to the radio or maybe a message on the internet, a podcast, something like that. And it's the attitude of your heart that makes all the difference. The message is the same. The sower is Jesus. The seed is the word of God. None of those change. What really change is the attitude or the disposition of your own heart. And so you, the, the gospel's not going to get anywhere at all in your life if your heart is hardened. So the key is don't stop listening to God. Don't come into church with this attitude, ah, I've heard this parable before a hundred times, or I don't like his style, I don't like the way he speaks, I wish, I wish he'd teach topically, I wish he would teach verse by verse, you know? Um, and, and you come in with this critical attitude. You, you might even be disappointed and you say, oh, why can't he just bring back a movie? I really like the movie, you know? You could have, and you come in with this attitude and, and the, 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 the danger of that attitude is you're no longer listening to God. You're no longer opening yourself. When the word of God, the seed lands on the soil of your heart, will it have a soft place to land? So instead... Of, of having a hardened heart, let's, let's have this uh, uh, attitude where we take a deep breath and we look up and we say, God, as, as your word is coming into my heart, my life, my ears, my mind, help me to understand it. Lord, as you teach, let me be teachable. Let me be teachable. So that's the first soil, the, the rocky path, the hardened heart. We don't want to be like that at all. Let's go on to the second soil. Right, I want to show you another picture. This is an actual picture in the early spring of desert flowers that are blooming in the Mojave Desert. 
Now, I didn't always know that it was called the Mojave Desert because when I lived in Oklahoma and I was eight years old and I read a map of California, we were moving from Oklahoma to California. California, here I come. I'm an Okie from Muskogee. Actually, we lived in Lawton, but we were coming west. We were coming to Fullerton in Southern California, which was the city right above Disneyland. So as kids, we were excited to come to California. And I'm looking on the map coming down Interstate 40 as we're coming into California. And I said, hey, look, it looks like we're going to pass through the Mojave Desert. That's really interesting, right? And I had to learn, hey, in California, they speak another language besides English. It's called Espanol. And fortunately, de afortunadamente, yo he aprendido Espanol. So I've, I've been able to learn Spanish since coming to California. The Mojave Desert, uh, every once in a while, and, that, and it doesn't always bloom this nice, but in the early spring, as the desert gets some rain, and we've had some rain now, haven't we? So I'm, gonna, I'm imagining it's going to be a good spring for desert flowers. But these are these desert flowers in the Mojave Desert. They're called annuals because they only come up once a year. These flowers are also called ephemerals ephemerals. Now, for all you English majors, ephemeral means something that is temporary, something that is short-lived, right? And that's the way these flowers are because, yeah, they spring up and they bloom and they're beautiful, but then what happens in the Mojave Desert? Oh, the sun starts shining, 120 degrees, the desert, hot desert wind starts blowing, and these flowers do not last long. They don't have very deep roots, uh, they, they do what the advantage that these flowers have, and that's why they're able to reproduce every year, is they produce seeds and pollen really quickly, and then those seeds fall and germinate, and they fall into the ground, and then they get ready for the next year. But anyway, that's the, the point of the desert flowers, is they're very short-lived. And this is what Jesus says for the second kind of soil. He says, some of the seed fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Now Jesus gives the explanation in verse 20. He says, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. So you probably have known somebody like that. When somebody comes to church, for the first time or they're young and they're receptive, they're open to the word of God, they receive it with joy, they, they come forward, they make a commitment to follow Christ and, it's, and it ends up being very short-lived. It was an emotional decision. They didn't commit their life to follow Christ. They just, maybe they wanted fire insurance or maybe they got caught up in the moment and they just wanted to respond to God with the message. But here's the problem. But since they have no root... They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. They quickly fall away. The change in those desert flowers was just temporary. You know, we can hear a good message and we can keep it, that message, and we can get excited about it. We say, oh, I love that message. I want to put it in my life. I want it to change my heart forever. And that message can last all the way until we get to our car, all the way, maybe even until we get to our home, 
And then we turn on the TV or we get involved in something else and the, it, it, we don't allow that message to penetrate. We don't allow it to take root in our lives and it just sort of mists away and fritters away. What was the problem? The problem wasn't the message itself. The problem wasn't the person sowing the message. The problem was that we didn't allow the message to take root. It was our problem. The problem was that the, the, the soil had no roots Nothing could go down deep enough into your heart for it to last and to stick. Here's a question for you. How do you know if your faith is real? How do you know if you have save, what we call saving faith in Jesus Christ? One of the ways you can tell that your faith is real and genuine is when the heat is on or when there is difficulty in identifying with the Christian faith, when uh, the... Life make, is difficult when, or you have persecution or there's a crisis in your life. What do you do in that moment of crisis? What do you do when the heat is on? Do you just run to other stuff to numb your pain? Do you look out for anybody else or anything else to help you manage your crisis or your difficulty? Will you let Satan's voice come in and fill your mind with his lies in moments like that? That is why we so need to have God's word implanted deep into our hearts. I was just reading in James before I came up here and he said, he said the word of Christ, the law that gives freedom, when it comes in, it says, it says let us receive it with joy. Let it, let it be planted deep within our heart so that it takes root, so that it makes a difference. That's what's really going to make the difference. Does your heart ever look like this? Let's go to the third soil. This is somebody's backyard, probably in the middle of the winter. You notice how things grow really well in the wintertime when it rains. But have you noticed too that the stuff that we don't really want to grow oftentimes grows? I was passing by, I was taking a walk with my dog yesterday morning. I took a picture of a backyard that was right down the street from our house or front yard and it looked very much like that. It, it, there's a bunch of weeds growing. Uh, weeds are overgrown. They don't look good. They're ugly. Jesus continues the parable and he says it this way. He says, other seed. Now this is the third soil, right? So you have the rocky path where it can't penetrate. The soil is hardened. You have the second soil where, the, where it's shallow, where there's no root. Uh, now you have the third soil. And it says, other soil fell among thorns where it grew up which are the thorns or the weeds which grew up and choked the plants. And then Jesus explains to it and he says, the seed that's falling among the thorns, that refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. In other words, you, you, take, the, you take the word of God in, you believe it, you let it come into your heart, you want it to grow and flourish. You want to produce spiritual fruit, but there's something else that comes into your life. There's something else that you allow to grow in your soil. And whatever you allow to grow besides the word of God, those are called weeds. Jesus calls them thorns. Uh, that soil is, it's not just shallow. That soil isn't just hardened. This soil is contaminated. This soil is contaminated and what Jesus calls the deceitfulness of wealth. The deceitfulness of wealth. It overpromises and it underdelivers. You know, the, the promise is if you get this in your life, 
then you will be happy. If you just had this in your life, whether it's a home or a car or a relationship or clothes or toys or trips or travel, whatever you're, you're, you're looking to is say, if I only had that in my life, then I would be happy. That's the deceitfulness of wealth. That overpromises something to you and it underdelivers. And it does something else. The deceitfulness of wealth, what it does is it chokes the word of God. It hinders, it hampers the Word of God. It doesn't allow it to grow. Christian author and pastor Francis Chan, he writes about this third kind of soil. He says these thorns or weeds, it's, he says they're anything that distracts us from God. When we want God and a bunch of other stuff, then that means that we have thorns in our soil. A relationship with God simply cannot grow when money or sin, or activities, or our favorite sports teams, or our addictions, or when we're overcommitted, when any of those things are piled on top of the Word, that's when the Word gets choked out. That's when it doesn't produce any fruit. It, so here's, the, here's the, the admonition for us today, and the admonition is this. Watch out in your life for what can creep in and choke God's word out of your life. I mean, it, it could be shopping. It could be school exams if you're young or maybe like me <laughs> in the near future. It could be school exams. It could be shopping. It could be fantasy sports teams. It could be your mortgage or your rent payment. We live in an expensive county. It could be social events where you're trying to... to to impress others with all your activities. It could be beauty magazines. It could be binge watching a series on television. Anything, if it's overdone, has the ability to choke out the word from producing fruit in our lives. This is what the Apostle Paul told his protege, his younger pastor friend named Timothy. Timothy was becoming pastor of a church in Ephesus. And Paul wrote him a letter in 1 Timothy and he said this, he said, Timothy, you have to do this. Tell those, how would you like to be a pastor? And, and say, hey, Apostle Paul says, I got to tell you this. This isn't going to be an easy message, right? But it, Paul says, you have to tell them this. Tell those who are rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Tell them to go after God who piles on all the riches we could ever manage to do good, to be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous. If they do that, they will build a treasury that will last and they will gain life that is truly life. It's a great uh, translation by Eugene Peterson in the message. So it is true, it is true in our lives, folks, that even good things, if you have too many of them, too many even of good things can choke out and push aside the best things. Best things like love and service and compassion and humility and selfishness and even gathering together with other believers. We can so busy up our lives. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't make church. Why? Well, I've got another activity I'm going to be doing. I've got another trip I'm making. You know, I remember in the 1960s, they said the, the biggest uh, enemy of the church in the 1960s were all the campers and the trailers and the recreational vehicles because in America's prosperity, we got all these toys and the boats, and then what did we want to do once we bought the toys? We got to go use the toys. And so when would they go off and use all the toys? On the weekends. Do you think they came back Saturday night? 
No, <laughs> they wouldn't come back till Sunday night. And then they'd have to clean up that trailer in the camper and they'd start it all over again. And they started to crowd out God and crowd out church and faith. So here's, here's a question for reflection. How do you crowd out God in your life? How do you crowd God out of your life? Or how do you allow other things to creep in and crowd out God from being first place in your life? Because Jesus said this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things would be added to you. If we get our priorities straight, we're going to have all that we need and we're going to be blessed in every single way. So we have to let, here, here's the other thing, we have to let what we are learning here to get some breathing room out there. Because your mind can be open and you could say, oh, I'm taking it in, I'm listening, I'm paying attention right here. But when you leave right here and you go out there, you have to leave some breathing room so you can, can think about, you can ponder, you can ruminate, you can reflect on, on what God is saying to you and what he wants you to do in your life. Otherwise, it's going to choke out God's word and that word is not going to take root and it's not going to grow up healthy and it's not going to produce anything in your life. So here's the deal. Are you, are you making room for God in your life in order to spend time with him? Are you making room for God to let him speak to you through his word? Are you practicing the three R's? You know, the three R's, right? Relax, reflect, and respond. You know, that's kind of what a quiet devotional time is. You, you're in a relaxed place. You pick out a time of day where you can sit down, maybe with a cup of coffee if you're a Christian. No, I'm just kidding. But, but the idea that, that you're sitting down, uh, if it's early in the morning, it might be at night before you go to bed, it might be when you get a break at work, but you're sitting down, you're relaxed, you're taking in God's word, you're reading it, you're praying about it, you're saying, God, what are you saying to me? God, what do you want me to do with this? God, is there anything in my life that you want me to, to know and learn? God, is there some promise here that you want me to claim? Uh, God, is there something that, that I'm reading this and you're saying, I want you to start doing this? Or God, as I'm reading this, maybe there's a warning and you're saying, God, do you want me to stop doing this? You know, you have to carve out time. You have to have breathing room, margin in your life where you can say to God, God, what are you saying to me and what do you want me to do? My wife, Lisa, <clears throat> she's in beauty school every morning. Did you know that? Lisa, yeah, she's, her eyes, you should have just seen her eyes. She's looking at me. She didn't know I was going to say this. I could tell because she, she, first of all, I sh I'm referencing her and she, she looks at me. She goes, what are you doing? My wife, Lisa, let me just say, and maybe you'll like it when I finish. Uh, my wife, Lisa, she is in beauty school each morning. And maybe it doesn't quite look like it on the surface because she's in her bathrobe and no, her hair and her makeup, they're not done yet. And yes, she has her reading glasses on, the end of her cute little button nose. Uh, but I will tell you that each morning she is in beauty school because in front of Lisa is a Bible, the word of God, the word of truth. And as she has her devotional time every morning, that word of truth is changing her daily. And it is making her B-E-A beautiful inside and out. She's in beauty school every day. I hope that you are as well. Let's go on to the fourth soil. 
We talked about the soil that's hardened. We talked about the soil that's shallow. We talked about the soil that, that gets contaminated and overburdened with other things in the world that choke out the effectiveness of the word in our life. Finally, we get to the good part. There's one kind of soil that Jesus says, this is what I want you all to be. This is the soil I want you to be. So I hope that you identify with this fourth soil. This is what Jesus says, still other seed fell on good soil. Fertile soil, it says in the New Living Translation, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. You know, I remember talking about uh, spiritual health in a, in a class in Christian college. And one of the things, it was very simple observation, but one of, the, one of the students said, you know, what I think about healthy things, healthy things grow and eventually healthy things reproduce. Healthy things grow and reproduce. And that's one way I, you can tell, are you healthy spiritually? Are you growing? Are you becoming more like Jesus? Are you reproducing? So the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. Hears the word and understands it. Uh, puts it into their life. Luke's gospel in chapter 8 says, hears the word and clings to it. Clings to it. Grasp onto it. Knowing that these are the words of life. Understands it. This is the one who produces a crop. Yielding a hundred or sixty or thirty times what was sown. You know the difference between these soils and all the other soils? By the way, Francis Chan did a message on this, on the parable of the sower, and it was kind of sad. It was not a real positive, oh, I'm so glad I heard that. I feel so much better. And basically what he said was, um, you realize Jesus said only 25% of those who hear the word of God, who, who, who are listening and the seed of the word of God is now scattered and thrown onto the soil of their hearts, only 25% actually produced good fruit, only 25% of the seed landed on good soil. That's only one out of four people. So the, 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 it's a minority. It's not everybody who hears ends up uh, producing this good fruit. Um, you could have a one. In fact, it's probably happening today. I, I'm sure that it's happening even in this room because Whenever the word of God is, is shared, if I'm the sower and the seed is the word of God, it's going to land on four different kinds of soils, and that means there's four different kinds of listeners. And so you have to determine, you say, okay, which kind of listener am I going to be? Am I going to be the, the hardened soil? Am I going to say, oh, I don't need this stuff? Am I going to be the shallow soil? Oh, I love it, I love it, until I, until I go out of here and it doesn't take any root in my life. I neither forget about it or persecution or life's difficulties choke out the word. And instead of looking to God, I look to something else to manage my pain or, or meet my needs. Or are you going to let the, the word contaminate you uh, or be contaminated by the cares and the deceitfulness of, the, of riches in this world to choke out the word. We don't want any of that. We want our soil. I want the soil of your heart to be receptive, not to be hardened so that God's message can penetrate, not shallow, that doesn't have any roots, not contaminated and distracted by things that can choke it out. I want your heart to be good soil, to be receptive to God, to say yes when God is asking you to do something, right? To be uh, open to what he's trying to say. He, there's a beautiful verse, and I, and I thought it would be in the New Testament, but I found it, it's in the Old Testament. And it comes right out of Jeremiah 
uh, 52-chapter book. It's probably the longest single book in the whole uh, Old Testament, uh, even because it has more words in it even than, than Isaiah. And right in, in, the, in the 17th chapter, look what it says about receptive people, about receptive people that when they hear the word of God, they're ready to do it. They're ready to put it into practice. These people are blessed. Jeremiah says this, blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Nope, their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Can you imagine if your life was like that? Wouldn't you want to have a spiritual life like that? That, that your roots go down so deep into Jesus, so uh, deep that he is nourishing you and, and, and the water is there and you're growing and the heat comes along or the persecution or the, the you know, setbacks in life. You're not worried about that. You're not letting them distract you. You're not letting them choke out the word. You're continuing to abide in Christ and those who trust in the Lord and make the Lord their hope and confidence. These are the kind of people that are going to be blessed. How would you like it? How would you like it if God looked at you and said, when I see you, this is what I think of. I'm describing you in that picture. Wouldn't that be awesome if God described your spiritual life like that? Here's what a good marriage counselor said to singles, right? Singles who are looking, you know, singles looking to mingle or whatever you want to say. Singles who are looking to find a spouse. And this is what the marriage counselor said. You know, he said, instead of looking for a soulmate, why don't you look for a soil mate? You ever think about that? Instead of looking for a soul mate, look for a soil mate. Look for somebody who has good soil. According to Jesus' parable, look for somebody who's humble and open to God. Look for somebody who's kind and teachable. Look for somebody who's coachable by God, who's receptive to what God is trying to do in their life. Look for a soil mate, not just a soul mate. You really want to impress God? You want to get on God's good side? This is what God says in Isaiah. He says, these are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit. Those who tremble at my word. That's what impresses God. That those who are humble and contrite, who tremble at my word. What can you feed your soul on? How are you going to flourish and grow? What would be some good soul food for you today? You know, Jesus says it through the Apostle Paul in the book of Colossians. In Colossians 3.16, he says, Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. This is what's called preaching to the choir. Because you guys are already in church. You're already here in worship. You're already gathered with the rest of God's people corporately to learn and grow together. As we worship and fellowship and listen to God's word and sing and take communion and, and give uh, offering, we're, we're participating in the, in the body life as we teach and admonish each other with all wisdom. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How do you let Christ's words dwell in you richly? If you have your bulletin, you can see three pathways that I can see how to do that, right? How can you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly? Number one, is what you're doing right now. Show up to church and worship every week. 
You know what I was impressed is? I was really impressed last week. Some, some lady, I, w- I wish it was a guy. No, I don't. I'm glad we, we got plenty of godly women around this church. But she came up to me and she said, Jim, I want you to know I really enjoyed your At The Movies series. And I said, well, thank you. And she said, and I want you to know I took your challenge seriously back when you did that message about, you know, when we do the At The Movies series. I challenge you to come every single week and get something out of every movie every single week. And we had six weeks. Six weeks of movies, and I came to every single one. And I got to tell you, I got a lot out of it. And I was just like, yes. She did it because she was prioritizing being here, learning, letting the word of Christ dwell in her richly, learning the, and letting the, the, the seed of the word of God go and plant deep into her heart. So number one, show up to church, worship every week. Let that be a normal rhythm in your life. Let that be the priority. So when something else comes along, hey, do you want to do this? You want to go here? You want to do that? You're like, uh, yeah, maybe I can do that Sunday afternoon. But Sunday morning, I've got somewhere to be. I've got a priority and I'm not going to miss it. So there's number one. How do you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly? Number two, uh, you can listen to a Christian podcast and you can try to read that in the gray if, if you have really good eyes. <laughs> So listen to a Christian podcast. There are lots of them. There is a great one uh, for new believers. And I, I listen to it all the time too. I think it's great for me and I'm an old believer. But Pastor Greg Laurie, if you go on Christian podcasts, if you go on your iPhone or your Android and you can look up podcasts, look up one called A New Beginning with Greg Laurie. He, he sends out a weekly podcast. It's wonderful. Talks about growing there. I just gave you the... <laughs> which I don't know what you're going to do with that, but I gave you the link right there. If you could take a picture of it, maybe you could go to crosswalk.com and you could see the, uh, oh, I know what that is. Those are, I, I'll tell you what I did. I looked it up and I said, what are the top 20 Christian podcasts that are out there as far as popularity? And crosswalk.com came up with the top 20 list of Christian podcasts. So if you go to crosswalk.com, did I, did I need to spell it for you? Crosswalk.com. Okay, then you can find out some of the podcasts. And then the reason I'm saying that is, okay, so I, I can only be, well, I can't. We are gathered together in this place for like an hour and a half once a week. That's not, that is good, but that's not enough to keep you growing spiritually. You want to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly daily, right? So what are some other ways that you can get the word of Christ into your life? right? Gather together here for corporate worship. Number one. Number two, listen to a Christian podcast. Number three, have a daily devotional time with God. Whether it's in the morning or at your break at work or at night before you go to bed, you get a devotional guide. We've got two different kinds here at the church. We've got a devotional guide called our daily bread. We've got another one called the word for you today. You can take those devotionals, take them with you, use them every single day. You can, or you can start in a book of the Bible. You can start in one of the Gospels as we're going through the storyteller. You can say, hey, Jim, uh, you're wrong. There's not 37 parables. There's only 36 or whatever you want to tell me. But at least it will tell me that you're reading the Gospels and you can choose a book of the Bible to read it for your daily devotional time with God. Or you can go to BibleGateway.com or you can go to Bible.com, which is the U version. And when you go online, you can see all different kinds of Bible reading plans. They've got dozens of them. This isn't, this isn't a lack of opportunity. It's only a lack of priority, right? Because you're saying, wait a minute, I want, this, I want 
Jesus said there's only one out of four listeners who actually take in God's word, apply it to their lives, grow up healthy, and produce spiritual fruit. If, if there's only one out of four, I want to be one of those one out of four. I don't want to be one of those other three. Because Jesus said they didn't produce any spiritual fruit at all. How do you be the one out of four? You take it the extra step. You're gathered for corporate worship. You're listening to Christian music or podcasts during the week. You have a daily devotional with God. Those are how you keep on growing in your spiritual life. And you're, you're reading and listening to God. You're, you're saying, God, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to do? I'm listening. What do you have for me today? Jesus said these words when he wrapped up the Sermon on the Mount. He said, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. A lot of people bypass that little and. But Jesus uh, talks about comparing two people. One person heard the word of God, did not put it into practice. Another person heard the word of God and he put it into practice. Persecution, difficulties, crisis, storms came on both of these lives. One of the lives fell with a great crash. One of the guys, one of the lives lasted because they heard the word of God, they heard the word of Jesus, and they put it into practice. That's like a man who builds his house on the rock. You know, here's another thing. When you, here's another way you can tell that you're growing spiritually. When you start to change, now think about this one. When you start to change from I ought to do this to I want to do this. When you start to change from I ought to to I want to when it comes to spiritual disciplines, there's a great sign that you're growing spiritually. Because a lot of times, yeah, I need to do that. Yeah, you're telling me this. Yeah, give me all the habits. Okay, if your attitude is resist, 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 your soil is not receptive. You've got, you've got to be willing to say, okay, I'm willing to let God throw some of his miracle grow into my life. I'm willing to be open to it. I want to be a soil that's receptive. I want to be the soil that, that is going to produce fruit. As we've seen in Jesus' parable today, his word only flourishes in a certain kind of soil. So here's three things as we close before we go to prayer. And worship team, I'd like to invite you guys to come on up. There's three things that you can do to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, to let, to make sure that that seed of the gospel message, God's word to you is going to come in and land on good soil. Number one, let your soil be filled with humility. God, I'm a learner. I've got a lot to learn. What do you have to say to me today? Lord, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law, like the psalmist says in Psalm 119. Let your soil be filled with humility. Number two, let your soil be fertilized with gratitude. And finally, let number three, let your soil be watered with grace. Filled with humility, fertilized with gratitude, watered with grace. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I, first of all, I want to thank you for giving us this parable and having it included in your Gospels, all three, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, so that we can learn what it means to be listeners, to be people that, that are like soil out there. And your word comes to us in a message. And Lord, you're saying, I want your soil to be receptive. 
I don't want your soil to be hardened. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So, Lord, soften my heart. Get, let the word, when, when it comes in, let your word have a soft place to land in my heart. Lord, I don't want to be contaminated. I don't want to be shallow. I want your word to be able to get in there and penetrate and do the changing, transformative work that it does in my life that makes me more like your son, Jesus, so that when I go out and live my life, I, I'll be one of those people that produces spiritual fruit. God, that's the, the desire of my heart. And I hope that's the desire of your heart today. Lord, let the word of Christ dwell in me richly. Let me do during the week whatever I can to help the word not get choked out. God, help me to learn those spiritual disciplines, those rhythms that, that allow you to come in where I, I truly am seeking first your kingdom in my life every single day. And Lord, I, I take you at your word. You promise. You said, when you have that kind of lifestyle, you're going to produce spiritual fruit. And this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. God, I pray that, that we would show ourselves to be your disciples by doing all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.